0: This is all a Moo Point. <laughs> like a cow's opinion. just doesn't matter. It's Moo. Hi, welcome to Moo Points.
1: My name is Dr. X. And I'm Sammy Mead. And today we're going to be doing a little debate, Uh, the topic being which teen show, and we've narrowed it down to two top contenders, is the most feminist. So just to give like a two-second background on why we think this is important, a little stat, in 2014, females comprised 12% of protagonists, 29% of major characters, and 30% of all speaking characters in the top 100 grossing films. Wow,
0: that's really small. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know
1: that. Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. And we think that uh, representing feminist issues and females in general on TV is really important and very underestimated because what you see in the media around you as a teen is what you, and, you know, forever, is what you internalize. So, I mean, I think my other stat is that according to Science Daily, a third of teenagers spend close to 40 hours a week watching TV. So when you see stereotypes play out around you, you accept them. But when you see representations of yourself in positions of power, you maybe start internalizing those instead. So representation is really important, and it's a huge problem right now. But we have identified two shows that really break the mold in terms of representation. They they both do a fantastic job. So those two shows are Veronica Mars, which was on the air from 2005 to 2007,
0: And Pretty Little Liars, which started in 2010 and is on the air currently. It's funny Uh, because Veronica Mars was cut too short and Pretty Little Liars has gone on for way too long. Okay. (laughs) So I, uh, Dr. X, will be arguing that PLL is
1: better and Sammy will be arguing Pro V Mars. And just a little disclaimer to start with, we might get a little nitpicky about some little problematic aspects of these shows. But overall, they're both really fantastic. They're yeah. The, the shows we've identified as the top two most feminist teen shows on TV ever.
0: Quality. Very quality shows. Thing, uh, you want to say before we get started? Yeah. So, or shall we just get started?
1: Okay, yeah. So we flipped a coin. Okay, so it's going to basically work. Like, we're each going to give a very short opening statement just to give a, be- a little background on the show. Then we're just going to hash it out freeform. We have absolutely no structure here. And then we're each going to give a really short closing statement at the end.
0: All right. so we flip the cord. I'm going to open, and you're going to close. Yep. All right, here we go. All so, right, here we go. Bring it. All right, so Veronica Mars is a teen drama about a girl whose dad is a private investigator, and throughout the series, Veronica solves mystery cases around her school and helps her dad with cases. You know, anything from finding out who stole the school mascot um, to taking... Uh, photographs of people cheating on their spouses and she even goes into bigger cases like who murdered her best friend. Um, She's extremely snarky and intelligent and tech savvy and um, I think she embodies the representation of feminist television that should be on TV. Cool
1: okay um So, Pretty Little Liars is about four girls who, it starts off with the story of their kind of pack leader goes missing, and a year later, when her body is found, they start getting messages from a mysterious enemy that goes by A, who knows all their secrets, and really, since then, there have been a million other murders and reveals, and the dead friend ended up being alive. (laughs) Um, But you don't really need to know about the plot, because what you need to know is that PLL is the most feminist teen show on TV... Because by portraying kind of a struggle against this invisible, omnipotent enemy that's, you know, they say everywhere and nowhere, A is obsessed with surveillance, it pits the girls against each other, it interferes with their school, it forces them to play out weird fantasies. By portraying this enemy, PLL ends up being this perfect metaphor for fighting back against the patriarchy. And that's the whole premise of this show, is these strong female friends refusing to succumb to the villain, sticking together, fighting through... um, And you don't really see this kind of uh, female relationship on any other show, including Veronica Mars. Uh, So even though it's kind of a ridiculous show in terms of the plot, it's actually extremely real and relatable. um, Because every single girl in the world experiences A to some degree. And there's nothing more empowering than seeing A fought against in every single
0: episode. That's my opening. All right. So... Here we go. I'll start. Um, I want to.
1: will you then.
0: <laughs> go for it. Okay, here we go. So um, first I'll just talk about how Veronica Mars um, is a young teen woman and just her character. She's an extremely complicated personality um, who's very intelligent. She's top of her class, almost. And she's really good with technology. She's a photographer. She can plant GPS um, devices, is really good with computers, you know, that depiction of a girl in high school is really rare on TV, and um, it's something that is very feminist, I think. Yep, um, that's true, and I think that's
1: also true of PLL. You've got these, like, really strong, competent mystery solvers, but... I think PLL takes it kind of a step beyond just being strong um, in that it also portrays... It also kind of surpasses these damaging stereotypes of a high school teen drama that Veronica Mars often succumbs to. So, for example, nobody gets pregnant... No teen girls get pregnant on PLL. Nobody steals anyone's boyfriend on PLL. Nobody cares about being popular on PLL. Whereas on Veronica Mars... She cares a lot about being popular and winning the boy to the point where it almost defines her. Um, whereas you just don't, and that that kind of stuff is damaging. Like you have this really strong, very intelligent girl, like you said, but then why does she? Why is she so damaged by not being popular? Or why does she? Why does she hate another really strong girl, Meg, because Meg's dating Duncan? Those are these teen clichés that are actually really damaging stereotypes for women to see, and PLL really rises above that by being a teen drama that doesn't do that.
0: I agree that, um, you know, the Pretty Little Liars are all above boyfriend drama, but one thing that Pretty Liars does do is establish almost permanent male love interests, that they are, like... Attached to, you know, that's one of the things that comes along. That it kind of eliminates the need to fight for boyfriends and deal with that side of teen drama because they are permanently attached to their love interest. Arya is always going to be with Ezra.
1: Isn't that kind of okay? That the male, the relationships on PLL are so irrelevant. They're just like, okay, they're there, they're on the side, they're there forever. But they're just so like the the show focuses on the relationship the friendship between the girls, and yes, the guys are there, but yeah, there's no drama over them because they're just kind of stagnant, they don't change It's just like, okay, yeah, Ezra's always there, but let's
0: talk about the action which is between the girls and between the mystery i i, don't, I disagree that it's not relevant to the plot line because I think that the show, especially ABC Advertising for Pretty Little Liars, they have really established each relationship as, like, one of the, a relationship between, you know, the girls and their boyfriends as one of the most important. And I know as viewers that we don't see it that way, we obviously value their friendship more than their love interest, but I think that ABC promotes.
1: Yeah, so I don't really consider the like, promotion around a show as part of the canon on the show, that's kind of a thing that the network forces them to do to you know, cater to teen audiences. And it's funny that you mentioned that because in the actual canon, so yes, they will put hashtag Ezra on the screen, but when you listen to like the, when you can see it in the direction and when you hear interviews with the directors, they will always say, we frame it so is always standing over Ezra or we put creepy music whenever Ezra's on the screen. The actual show is trying to tell you, the boys don't matter, the boys are creepy, just, like, don't deal with it. In you know, whatever. The social media isn't really relevant to what's actually going on on the screen, I feel.
0: Okay, that's fair. I still think that the fact that Veronica does have boy drama, that doesn't take away from the fact that she is really strong and powerful and every time she's with a boy it really does not impact her decision making or her dependence she is able to really drop a boy anytime she goes out and accuses Logan of murder when they're dating okay I'll address both of those points first of all just back like back
1: to my overall point there which was about the the boys not interfering with the, like, action, I completely disagree with that, because if you actually look at a lot of the, you know, big adventure moments in Veronica Mars, it's really a boy that ends up doing the final rescuing. Like, if you look at the season one finale, she, she does some very intelligent stuff, but she ends up locked in a refrigerator in a burning flame, and a boy has to rescue her. Or in season two, she ends up on a roof with a murderer, and a boy has to rescue her. And so, I mean... I would completely disagree that the boys are irrelevant in Veronica Mars like they are in Pretty Little Liars, where, you know, they're consistently rescuing themselves, and like I can't really think of a single time a boy has done anything
0: useful on Pretty Little Liars, which is very unique. Okay, I'll come back to that in a sec, but in response, I do think that the boys on Veronica Mars, boys use violence to solve problems, and Veronica uses intelligence and wit, so... They may be there, like, physically with a gun. But, like, that's the thing that
1: ends up solving the problem, right? Like, sure, it might be that Veronica's smart and Logan's burly, but Logan with the gun is what saves her. Not, at the end of the day, why doesn't her intelligence save her? If that's what the show's trying to say, you know? If you're going to have this strong female character who's extremely intelligent and say violence isn't the way to solve conflict, then why are you having violence end up being the thing that Solves the conflict.
0: I suppose. Yeah. Okay. But I think the show is more mystery, focused on the mystery, and Veronica is the one to solve that issue with her intelligence. Okay. Okay, and then back to a PLL about they're the ones to get themselves out of situations. Yeah. I I think that Caleb is sometimes... Like, the, he is the tech-savvy, like, one to go to when they have a mystery that involves a computer. Like, none of the girls are capable of doing anything technologically. And he is the one that's, like, hacks into the police department, you know?
1: Definitely, that is true. The, like, the PLLs aren't private investigators. They didn't choose this life like Veronica did, you know? That's what makes them so relatable. They are victims of this oppressor that they didn't ask for and just they don't yeah so they don't win by solving the mystery they win just by surviving and staying friends and going to school every day like that's the victory so it's a little different in that veronica mars has to be the one who solves the mystery because she signed up to solve the mystery on pll they win every single time they
0: don't give up but don't you think it's such a more powerful statement to have the, the teen girl be able to solve a mystery than the, a few teen girls be able to survive? No
1: I don't think that because it's surviving this like impossible situation where they are every aspect of their life is constantly being violated like someone is watching their every move every. Every secret they have is just being, like, proclaimed everywhere. They're being forced to act out, like, A's weird fantasies in a torture house. And that's, like, you know, the whole surveillance culture, victim-blaming culture is something girls relate to. And so by continuing to live as if that doesn't exist, even though it does, like, by fighting against it, that's hugely inspiring and relatable. It's it's really great to have a mystery-solving female character. Like, that's really cool. But I don't think it's any less to have someone survive a more relatable enemy. Like, their enemy isn't really the mystery like it is for Veronica. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. And also, just in terms of Caleb in general, like, Caleb is a great character. If you're, if you're going to ha- show a, a healthy relationship where the guy... Cares about the girl, cares about the girl's friends, is very much a supporting character, never steps in and rescues her, but is just kind of there to provide whatever
0: she needs. Like, that's kind of a beautiful relationship. So Yeah, that is one relationship on PLL that I would say is healthy. But let's talk about another. (laughs) I know you know this is coming. Let's talk about... uh, just the general culture of pedophilia in Raven, in uh, Rosewood. I knew you but, were going to throw this in my face. I know, but that's, for specific reasons, let's talk about Ezra, who is a male position of power. She's she, a teacher who um, hooks up with a 16 year old girl in the first episode. When you're watching it at first, you think, oh, he doesn't know. She says she's in college but you later find out that he has been stalking her to get more information about her missing friend. Um, How do you defend somebody like that? Yeah,
1: so about that. (laughs) Here's, okay, here's how I feel about Ezra. And, okay, this might be kind of a faulty argument, maybe, but this show clearly has no idea what it's going to do one season to the next in terms of the actual plot. By the time it came out, that Ezra, so in the first few seasons, I mean, it's absolutely, you know, inexcusable for an adult. Once he found out that, so back then you, you think he had no idea she was in high school, whatever. But once he found out that she was in high school, should have broken it off. However, it's very much Aria that wants this relationship. She sees herself as an adult. She thinks she's just far more mature than high school boys. She wants this. She controls it. If she breaks it off, it's over.
0: If she pushes forward, it happens. See, I think that would be a good response, but Ezra, this isn't Ezra's first time with a high school.
1: Let me finish. So
0: then once you find
1: out that Ezra is actually a horrible, horrible villain who, you know, absolutely knew this was happening the whole time and has been stalking everyone, the show clearly portrays him as more creepy starting then. So Arya does break up with him. He's noticeably, she starts referring to hooking up with him as, you know, slipping up like after the dollhouse she firmly breaks up with him she she's always filmed in a position power over him maybe the network is forcing them to keep them together for viewership reasons but the the show clearly shifts and it's very clear that ezra's a creeper and then she you know she tells him don't follow me when At the end of the last season, she thinks that he's going to follow her to college. And she's like, no, don't do that. She very clearly just breaks it off. And it's weird and creepy. And then um, about the thing you said about in general, how there's a lot of adults on here, you know, going after teenage girls. I think in general, the show portrays that as really, really gross and bad. And so, for example, you have the thing with Zach, who's an, an adult dating one of the moms. And he starts hitting on Hannah, Marin and... It's very. The whole episode is very clearly like, this is horrible. This is not okay, uh, and everyone kind of doubts Hannah. Like, what were you wearing? Blah blah blah. And that's like a whole episode about how victim blaming is bad and how adults need to stay away from children, obviously. And that might be hypocritical when you have that side by side with Ezra flourishing. Yeah. But, okay. but yes. But in general, the show knows that's bad. Like, it's very clearly like, this is gross. You know. You also have that Holbrook situation where. Holbrook is um, one of the police officers and Hannah gives him this whole speech. What is like, you're a grown up police officer. She's just a girl back off, take responsibility. And it's a beautiful moment. And in general, you can tell this show is trying to promote like, you know, female power and discredit gross men. They're stuck with Ezra for network reasons. But, you know, in the actual canon of the show, I still
0: think at this point, he's very clearly a creeper. It's broken off. We're moving on, you know. All right. Well, first of all, I'm not gonna criticize anything about Hannah because that Holbrook moment was perfection. But <laughs> in terms of the thing with Zach, I really, when I was watching that, I really thought it was this is terrible. Not because Hannah's a girl, like a teenage girl, but because she's he's cheating on Arya's mom. That was the reason why it was terrible and disgusting. Not because um, it's inappropriate with Hannah. Interesting.
1: What about the Holbrook thing, where she literally says the words, you're a grown-up police officer, she's just a girl? Like, in that case, I think they're specifically making it clear that it's not okay because of the power dynamics and the age dynamics. And, I mean, that's fine if they're, if it, it is also inappropriate because he's engaged to someone else.
0: If, That message is so strongly sent to Holbrook in that scene, but I don't understand why the show just keeps on having relationships between grown-up men and high school teenagers. It hasn't really, that okay, other than the Ezra thing and
1: then the times it's been gross, it's never been okay, you know? It's never been glorified except for Ezra. Every single other time, it's been just an abuse, a complete abuse of power, and very clearly in the show, not just us at home. It's been frowned upon. It's almost like they're trying to counteract Ezra. You know, like, is there any other time where you think they're actually trying to promote an abuse of power?
0: Well, I think the fact that it just keeps repeating itself, you know, Spencer with Ren, who's an adult. Yeah, Ren's a good point. (laughs) Going behind her sister's back, that's not very feminist either. You know, this girl buried somebody who she may have murdered. (laughs) (laughs) That was way later. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody cares about Melissa. She's
1: probably a, um, (laughs) but really, okay. I think the main takeaway here is that the main, the, the men, the relationships with the men are just very, very second to the relationship between the four girls that glorified and honored and all the ships come second. They're all kind of gross. They're all kind of in the background. And nobody really cares about them. So that's my that's my response to Ezra. <laughs> like they're broken up. It, it's really team Sparia that matters. You know? Whatever. And And I guess I would extend that to argue against Veronica Mars that there's nothing like the relationship between the PLLs on Veronica Mars. And I think it's such an important thing to portray on TV. female friendships, females empowering each other. And on Veronica Mars, there are a lot of strong female characters. Like, besides Veronica, you have, like, Meg and Jackie, who are two of the best characters on the show. But because, you know, Jackie's stealing Wallace and Meg's stealing Duncan, Veronica ices them out. And instead of being this power group that could really just get anything done, they end up just, like, bitching to each other about little catty things that just really undermine the, you know, feminist friendship cause here. What's up with that?
0: Yeah, Veronica it's true Veronica does not have any close friends nowhere near anything like the o- the 4TP has but her independence does say something about her strength and i also think that though she doesn't have um you know female friendships i think that she doesn't completely like hate on all the other girls i think that a good example of this is um in the third season which is generally Pretty bad. Um, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, Max roommate Parker um, is like they do not. Veronica does not like Parker upon first meeting her. But even when uh, Parker's raped, she kind of puts her differences aside with Parker and helps her because she's a female. And Veronica stands by her even though they're not closest of friends. Yeah, and,
1: and definitely she has some girlfriend. like, yeah, Parker's her friend and Mac is her friend, but it's just not really a unique friendship like on, on PLL. It's not a thing where she would – it's kind of an exchange of goods and services. It's like, okay, well, I kind of owe you one because I kind of led to your rape, and so, sure, I'll help you out. But it's not like on PLL where they these girls just get joy out of you know bringing each other up. A, it's not a I owe you one. It's like genuine love for each other. And it, that's so cool on a teen show. That, is, that just does not exist anywhere else. It's pretty much why I think this show wins. That relationship is amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I, do you have another point, or should I move on to my next point?
0: Oh, well, I was about to attack PLL. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, I... <laughs> Um, I want to hear your response to just... You mentioned earlier how, like, their struggle of daily survival is kind of a representation of living in a world of patriarchy. Yeah. What's your response to the fact that the big A reveal is a female? That's... Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so what
1: you're... Yeah, basically what you're saying is I've been saying that the whole struggle is against, like, this patriarchal society, like, the male gay surveillance culture, but the, the enemy ends up, the, when A is revealed, spoilers, turn this off now, um, <laughs> A is actually a transgender woman, Cece. And I guess my response to that is, it's so irrelevant. Like, at the end of the day, sure, A was a, a woman, but very clearly, the true evil thing was her father, Kenneth, who, she's basically... The, the a charlotte or cc is the ultimate female victim of the patriarchy she's a completely abused her entire life because of her gender by her father by everyone by society in general by like the mental institute she's institutionalized in and the the patriarchy is what allows her father to lock her up um And, you know, it's her brother videotapes his little sister and her friends, and it's it's her thinking that forcing other people to act out your fantasies is okay. Like, that is the patriarchy acting through her, because she is such a victim of the patriarchy since she was a young child. And that story was told very clearly in the finale. And really, by having that story of CeCe, as A, the show almost elevated the, the very best thing about itself, which is this patriarchy metaphor. It was like, look, we're going to spend an entire hour unwrapping how the patriarchy messed up another person. So, I mean, yes, like, the villain was Cece, but really the villain was Cece's father, and the society that allowed this to happen is how I see it.
0: I think that to somebody just watching this on TV who isn't, you know, in a fandom where they spend every waking moment thinking about this show. (laughs) Um, That could just be seen as the female is the enemy. I think it's a little abstract to be calling the patriarchy. Okay. The way
1: I said it, it was, but when you actually watch the episode, you feel sorry for Cece. Like, you really do. You have this, like, little child and her father, and, you know, she, she... was born a male and she's a female and her father locks her up at the age of like 8 or something in a mental institution because of this it it very you you feel sorry for this child and that is saying something considering you have paid a for 6 years of your life the the fact that they were able to turn it over and you actually really feel sorry for this child i don't think that that's that abstract i think pretty much every viewer kind of felt that, that Kenneth was the enemy, not Charlotte.
0: I I totally agree that, like, Kenneth is a terrible, terrible person, and I did feel sorry for Charlotte a little bit. But the fact that they are naming the main enemy A for six straight years, and all of our hatred is going into A, this title, just the fact that they gave the transgender woman the reveal of A.
1: Yeah, it's definitely problematic. I yeah. It's somewhat problematic. It's towing the line. They want they clearly wanted a really shocking story and it was unnecessary in a lot of ways, especially because it's propagating a lot of dangerous stereotypes about transgender women. But I would just justify it a little more by saying that this show has always been a little ahead of the game in terms of representation. Like the, you know, A's in the past have been female, male, straight, gay, black, white. So, you know, it might be a little too ahead of its time and there isn't enough transgender representation on TV to have this be okay. But for this show, they already kind of nailed down their diversity of casting character enough that that the whole, I'm not that worried about the representation, which might not be my place to say, but... You know, there's so many good women that, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: this one crazy one and the whole and she really wasn't crazy because of her gender. She was crazy because of the abuse of the patriarchy. And that was really clear. Like, it wasn't abstract at all. She was clearly abused by her parents. Right. Yeah. And so that, that was the enemy. It really had nothing to do with her gender. I think. And if we're talking about, let's just turn this back to Veronica Mars for a second. If we're talking about representation issues, you've got the Mexican guy being the leader of the bike gang and the black guy being a basketball jock. And there's really zero queer, whatever, representation on that show at all. So, you know, yes, there might have been... And and PLL might have had the transgender woman be an enemy, but they did spend an entire hour unraveling her story, and at least, at least there is some representation, you know, which Veronica Mars does not have at all.
0: Yeah, I think Veronica Mars, like, it does, it's not an idealistic view of society. It really is, like, here are the racism problems, here are the classism problems. Um, and it does portray that as something that exists. It's not, like, making anything... Nicer than it is But the fact that she stands out as a strong woman in that terrible society Maybe that says something about the feminism of the show Interesting
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, let me see if I have what my next point is Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is a big one (laughs) You can't win because straight up in season three of Veronica Mars the that they actually marred the feminist name like by name there's a feminist group on campus they're portrayed as insane immoral violent they straight up fake a rape which is like contributing to this crazy spreading notion that faking a rape is something crazy girls do all the time um which is like really really bad for the cause and very very untrue um Whereas on, on PLL, it's like the enemy is the misogynists, not the feminists. So the fact that Veronica Mars actually has a group of feminists be the main enemy of a season is quite problematic if you're going to argue that it's a, femin- a pro-feminist show.
0: Right. Um, this group of feminists does, um, have, does uh, not really support my cause, but I do have a defense, and it might be a little far-fetched, but I think that showing this group of feminists as... And this is, like, the only time that the word feminism is used on the show, and they're making this, like, stereotypical group of college feminists that makes up lies, is violent, you know, everything you just said. But maybe that does draw attention to the negative connotation and juxtaposing Veronica, who's, like, the perfect feminist.
1: Is she, though? Because she... she. She, uh, yeah, for the the most of the season is going against the cause of the feminist group, which, despite them being totally portrayed as totally psycho and violent, have a point. Like, they're trying to abolish the fraternity where these rapes are originating, and she's defending the fraternity, and that's just crazy for a show that's trying to, you know, put out a, a strong feminist cause to have your main character go against the feminist group.
0: I don't think... Yes, she is going against the feminism, like, in theory, she's against shutting down the fraternities, but they're really on the same side. They're trying to find the rapist. She's just, Veronica's after the truth, and the feminists, unfortunately... <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're really making that. your point here, because
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically what realize. you're saying is the people <laughs> against the feminist group are the moral ones and the feminist group are the crazy ones and that's like just you know bad that's just bad representation it's i get it's kind of a straw man argument like it's really easy to say feminism is bad when you portray feminists like this it's very harmful i think
0: yeah and it goes back to how veronica mars portrays stereotypes
1: yeah Um, it has a stereotype problem right for such a creative original show you would think they'd be able to go beyond these stereotypes.
0: But just the fact that they're portraying these maybe that says like these are issues that we need to fix. Yeah it's unfortunate that you know like the feminists are portrayed as um, like crazy antagonists but it does at least draw attention to that area, I would say. So like, at least they
1: mention feminism? Yeah. Interesting, yeah.
0: You know, it's clear that there is racism, it's clear that there is classism, it's clear that there is a feminist problem by saying that, by making that statement.
1: But I would say they do as well, you know, call out by name feminism and misogyny. For example, when they find one of the, at one point, enemies, Andrew, had all these journals about being like a basically just a straight up woman hater, and he thought these girls just re- represented like the feminization of society, and that's why he hated them. And he wanted to be a hero, and they saved themselves. And that's kind of another way, a better way to call out misogyny as the enemy than the like weird roundabout way Veronica Mars does it. Right.
0: With I think these like Veronica Mars is very realistic, and it's unfortunate that. That is the realism.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think that that like I think it's much more important for a teen show to portray like what we should be, not. I, I also just it it that's it's damaging. It's not realistic. Like the vast majority of rapes go unreported, not the other way around. So it's it's a stereotype. It's not actually reality that Veronica Mars is is doing. It's like a very damaging stereotype. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think season three kind of kills you.
0: Season three is, yeah, definitely difficult in that area. Yeah. But overall, I think that Veronica is very feminist, like, despite her, maybe her boy issues, you know, she's <laughs> consistently smarter than all of the male figures. Like, she outsmarts the sheriff, her principal, the dean at her college, um, her father uh, she outsmarts her father once, but yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah maybe maybe the, her surroundings aren't as idealistically feminist, but I really think that Veronica Mars herself is a role model for people watching um, just like the ideal feminist
1: and I think yes, Veronica Mars herself is definitely a strong female character but that's not enough to win best feminist show like on on pretty little liars it's yeah every single female character is very strong but it goes beyond that to being an entire metaphor about overcoming the patriarchy like every single aspect of this show is about women banding together against an enemy whereas veronica mars is just there's so so much else going on. It's really a detective show that happens to have this one strong female character. I feel like that's almost you know a side thing, whereas on PLL it is the thing. Yep. Um, all
0: right, we are running pretty. Okay, closing. Should yeah. we do our closing? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I guess. No, I I, I, guess so. I get to go. I get to go last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of just used my closing, but um, yes, Veronica Mars portrays society as you know, racist and classist and unequal overall. But Veronica herself, um, through her intelligence um, and wit and um, power and her ability to overcome like, really difficult things like rape and her best friend being murdered, you know, that's giving people who are watching Veronica Mars a, role, a feminist role model.
1: Cool. And yeah, I've also kind of discussed my closing before in the main point, but, you know, here's the thing, like both of these shows portray strong women, but on PLL, they build each other up and on Veronica Mars, they're competing for the top spot. And there's really just one. Um, Like, like I said, Veronica Mars is a mystery show with a strong female character, but PLL is about strong females who happen to be in a mystery. And so I just want to read this quote it's kind of long, but it's beautiful, from um, Heather Hogan, who's been recapping PLL since the pilot on the internet and really just understands the show on a level that nobody else, including like the actual writers of the show, understands. Okay, here's a quote. <laughs> At its core, Pretty Little Liars is a story about the way men assume ownership over women's bodies, strip away their agency, deprive them of their autonomy, deny them subjectivity, and silence them. It's a story about female victims blamed for crimes perpetrated against them by men, It's a story about existing for the male gaze, but it's also a story about found family, the blazing blue power of women's relationships with each other. It's about dancing like nobody's watching even when you know somebody's watching. It's about being a woman and getting up and getting dressed and drinking coffee with your soul sisters and going to work and going to school and living, living, living despite the constant incessant battle that is raging around you. It's about losing that battle over and over and huddling with your friends in the rain until you're strong enough and brave enough to get up and fight it again. It's a love story about four women who are empowered by their intimate knowledge of each other and abiding affection for each other. It's the most ridiculous show on television and the most true. In the middle of season three, Jenna Marshall summed up the central message of the show and the struggle of every woman everywhere. I feel a lot safer when I'm in charge of what happens to me. So yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Basically, Veronica Mars does embody this as well. She's a fighter against the patriarchy too, but just not even close to the extent that that PLL embodies this concept and it doesn't damage the feminist cause like Veronica Mars does. So, you know, PLL, you got to win.
0: So yeah, that's that's our debate.
1: That was fun. (laughs) You can email us who you think or what show you think should win the title of Best Feminist Teen Show at gmail.com.
0: Let us know what you think. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to the Move Points Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mood Points Pod, or send us an email at moodpointspodcast at gmail.com. Our Tumblr page is movepointspodcast.tumblr.com. And we'd love to hear from you about new ideas, questions, or any feedback you may have. Thanks for listening.